On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Just a quick addition to our normal disclaimer, in case you don't know what you're getting into. Old Boy does have scenes of incest, suicide, violence, and cruelty against octopi. So you have been warned. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. We are heading back to the early 2000s as we start today's intro. When Japanese manga, Oh Boy, written by Garen Tushiya and illustrated by Nobuaki Minigishi, first was published in 1996, no one could have predicted that Korean producer Sid Lim and filmmaker Park Chan-wook would express interest in turning the project into a feature-length film. Both producer and director liked how the story was more like a Greek tragedy mixed with noir, by Park was instantly drawn to the premise of a man who's locked up without being told why or how long he'll be there, saying, quote, I saw this as much more cruel and brutal, a kind of experiment on humanity itself, end quote. Park, however, was unsatisfied with the manga's ending, but still took on the project as a director and co-writer. Then the answer of how to resolve the ending for the film came to him during a bathroom break. The question being asked was who would lock up the protagonist for such an extended period of time, instead of of why the protagonist was locked up for that extended period of time. With that, the ending of the film was born. When the film adaptation of Old Boy was released in November of 2003 in South Korea, it found instant success. The following year, it was added at the very last minute to the competition lineup of the 2004 Cannes Film Festival. Quentin Tarantino was serving as chair of the jury and cried during the screening. The Old Boy crew would notice him at at least three of the screenings of the film, and he would heavily advocate for it to win the Palm d'Or. When the film would unfortunately go to lose the Palm, it would become the first Korean film ever to win the Grand Prix. Korean sales veteran Young Joo Soo would go on to say, it was the first example of a Korean film winning global acclaim. Old Boy really raised the world's interest in Korean film. And tonight on our podcast, in celebration of the film's 20th anniversary, we are discussing it right here and now. So, Sit tight and hold on to your claw hammers and your octopi. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hey, this is Katie. Hi there, I'm Brittany. Howdy, howdy, howdy. It's Dalton. Shit, did I fuck it up? No, you're good. We're joined by our friend of the pod, Dalton, and also our editor. Hey, y'all, it's NR Moody. Hey, who uh, all came and saw Old Boy with us in theaters. Ooh, it is time. Who's hyped? Yeah. I think if you're not hyped, you're you're not a fan of the show. We're doing spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. We're all doing spirit fingers. In, uh... so, it's the midsummer. I think wave. I think one of my favorite things about this movie being re-released in theaters for its 20th anniversary is that all these great articles were written about like, hey, this movie is turning 20 years old, and so I got actually a lot of my information <laughs> from this incredible article. And the Hollywood Reporter is called Old Boy at 20, How Park Chan-wook's Violent Mindbender Kickstarted the Korean Wave. And I mean, this is like, if you read this article, it's like an 18-minute read. And there was all this great information. Wow. Yeah, I've, I must have seen Old Boy. I've talked about it before. I saw Old Boy on Independent Film Channel probably when I was about 16. So this was probably like in the year 2005. 
And it was my first Korean film I've ever seen. And I loved it. I was, it was nothing like I've ever seen. So it's really cool that like, even after you've seen this movie, just hearing and reading all this information and kind of like, it's a refresh on the film. So it was really cool to see it again in theaters too. Um, what was your guys' kind of experience seeing Oh Boy the first time? So I have to thank the YouTube channel yourmoviesucks.org because uh, Adam listed it as like an underrated film to watch. And it was like on all these lists. And I was, I finally found it streaming. I think it's the reason I got a Shutter subscription like ooh, a long time ago because that was the only place it was streaming. And I was like, I have to watch this movie. And I'd never watched a Korean uh, film before. And I turned it on and I just fell in love with it. And I knew there was a twist, but I had didn't know exactly what the twist was, luckily. And so I actually was pretty surprised. And it, it opened my world to more Korean cinema and really just non-American films in general because I watched a few here and there but I feel like it really made me want to just explore more stuff so I have to thank old boy for that because uh, I wouldn't have watched like Parasite or which is one of my favorite movies or The Host or a lot of or even like things like Ringu or A Tale of Two Sisters that I've come to really love so it's really it's a great film it is very fucking sick and twisted though I will say but in a good way for me I actually don't remember the first time I watched this movie. Not not in a bad way. Um, I remember the feeling I had after watching it. Because um, it's a very, very um, <laughs> hard movie at the end, I guess is the best way to say. it. It's ending, obviously. I think everyone knows kind of about a lot of the stuff in this movie uh, when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, but I remember a few years ago... I wanted my now wife, um, my wife Sarah, to see it. So I ordered this movie from the UK via Arrow Video <laughs> like a year or two ago for like 60 or 70 bucks. And uh, oh my. now it's probably going to be getting a neon release uh, in the States. So if you see it in the wild, buy it. Because mm-hmm. uh, for the longest time, this movie was almost lost media for a bit in yeah. the states because of the 2013 Spike Lee remake. I mean, it <laughs> was very hard to find. I think it only existed on DVD and I there may have been like one Blu-ray run in the I don't like, know if it was stateside though, honestly. Yeah, I don't it, even, it was yeah, it was tar- it was tart so, like, films where it was the original releaser of the film, yeah. the original distribution. Uh, so Tartan Films did release a DVD copy, but I think it was only one run of the DVD, which is why it's so hard to find. But this uh, this movie, just like Katie was saying, um, this movie made me fall in love with foreign cinema as a whole. It made me watch Parasite um, because a, for a long time I wasn't very big on foreign films. I think, you know, the biggest one I had seen at that point was Letters from Iwo Jima. Oh, I saw, which I know it, it's not really which, foreign, but it's yeah. When I was yeah, it's it's, it's a hard watch. Not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, and <laughs> obviously for the subject matter, makes sense. But yeah. then Parasite inspired me to watch another movie called One Cut of the Dead, which is a oh, that's on my list. Yes, on Shutter that I think everyone should watch at least once, just because it's fun. And now we're here in 2023 discussing Old Boy. 
And I think a lot of that does come from those foreign movies becoming popular here in the States, like Parasite mm-hmm. winning, I think, Best Picture, yeah. did help Old Boy get this release yeah. because it's distributed by the same people that distributed yes. Parasite. So I think Neon has absolutely brought... And and Train to Busan. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say Train to Busan as well as another one. I mean... It's nice to be able to see this foreign market be able to reach now into America. And it's, I'm glad people are now experiencing Old Boy, hopefully, for the first time in theaters this last weekend. Because, damn, what a way to see it the first time. And they did come out because apparently, uh, according to MovieWeb, the Old Boy theatrical re-release smashed the original film's box office record this weekend. So that's that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So, Ryan, which leading us to talk to about your Mm -hmm. first time seeing the movie. Well, I don't remember (laughs) my first time either. I mean, it was just a couple of days ago. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was it was great getting to see it, especially at Sidewalk and having that Mm -hmm. really intimate theater feel with it. And it's funny hearing you all talk about how hard of an ending it has. I don't know if it's just me seeing it. For the first time at my current age that it didn't seem as hard as I was expecting. I mean, I, I went in not really knowing anything about it, but going and it definitely has that Greek tragedy feeling to it. And that's, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, it's like a modern, you know, tragedy to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And like being able to see that was, was very cool. And I've, it really lit up the um, wanting to be able to talk about it, especially for an action movie. Yeah, I know. I don't know how to j- genre put it, although I guess it kind of is an action film. I feel like for the most part, from what I've heard about it, it's well, OK, so more more of a revenge sort of thing. Though thriller. I use revenge focused kind of film yeah and it's that's interesting because there's so many different genres you could put it in i guess right so psychological so cool. too like i guess there's like it's like a psychological thriller in some ways as well so l- mm-hmm. let me ask so none of this movie was spoiled for you going in ryan so you really kind of were able to come in completely blinded <laughs> and like so like the fight scene or the octopus none of that was spoiled for you beforehand yeah i'm trying to think of what exactly i knew going in and do we want to go ahead and put spoiler warning here i guess we could um i'll do a quick spoiler free rundown but it's really hard to talk about this movie without spoilers y'all so if you have not seen the 2003 park chan wook old boy see it in theaters um we went to sidewalk cinema um in birmingham and they were hosting it i do believe some amc theaters as well were hosting it and i do believe apple tv is eventually going to have it on streaming but i did not see a date on that release but they have some kind of deal with neon neon sometimes sends stuff to hulu as well so keep an eye out on apple tv plus and hulu because that's usually where neon releases stuff um but if you haven't seen it Please go watch it and then come back because this is a movie that I hope we haven't spoiled too much for you already because it is a movie that it, it is best not any of it being spoiled for you. Um, so with that, a quick little rundown that I'm going to try to be super, super not spoilery at all is this. Ode Su is imprisoned for 15 years for unknown reasons. Upon his release, with his wife dead and his daughter adopted away, this man with nothing to lose 
is determined to find who can find him and why and seek revenge. That's it. And I feel like I shouldn't have said the thing about the wife, but there we go. That's it. Spoilers from now on. <laughs> Ryan? I mean, so go ahead. Touching back, the only thing that I really knew, which I guess is kind of a small spoiler because it happens in the first five, ten minutes, is that he gets kidnapped and locked away and then released. I know that y'all had mentioned multiple times about there being a hammer. And I think it had been mentioned before in the podcast that there was a hallway scene. So mm. my brain going hallway scene, daredevil, hammer. Mm. Okay, so he's going to go and like just bash everybody's head in with a hammer. <laughs> so like, that's the only reference I really had going into it. Other than that, I hadn't seen any clips or really heard anything else. So the ending was a complete mystery to you? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, what I was going to say is, is I think the most referenced part of this movie throughout, you know, the past 20 years is that hallway fight scene. Yes. Be it Daredevil as Moody mentioned. Or John Wick. John Wick reminds me so much of... Like an expansion of the hallway sequence. Yeah. The first one. I've only seen the first one, but I was like, ooh, like all in black, fighting. I was like, in a good way. There's a scene in the yeah, last they- one that seems like a exponentially great. Well, there's a couple of scenes in the last one that seem like an exponential mm-hmm. up leveling of that scene. But, but you, I mean, you bring that up. I mean, that that hallway scene is the big one take thing that I think everyone remembers. Everyone yeah. remembers the scene. If you saw the Netflix Daredevil series, you saw that that hallway fight scene, or at least an inspiration of it. Well, the the hallway scene, by the way, the reason that uh, Choi Min Sik, who plays Odiso, uh, looks so tired is that he really was because they did rehearsals. We watched. Oh, by the way, if you stay at the mo- if you see the movie in theaters, there's a an interview by Nicholas Winding Refn, who is wearing shorts uh, <laughs> um, with Park Chan Wook, and he's like, you know, everyone was rehearsing, and I'm kind of lazy when it comes to action shots, so I just decided to do one shot. But then he also was doing a shot by shot, I think for Variety on their YouTube channel and he was kind of like but the other thing was I want to surprise the audience because when you think an action like scene you think like fast cuts and close-ups and all this stuff and he's like I just didn't want to do that I just wanted to do it as real and like a slug through like a real fight would be and so they did 15 takes and whichever take was the best that's the one they kept so the only edit they have is when there's the close-up where you see all the bodies in the background and you see Choi Min Sik's face and he's just like panting. But up until that point, it's all the same shot, which is, it's a long shot. I don't know if you guys came across this, uh, if you came across this in your research, but it wasn't until 2005 that the Korean film industry established labor laws or labor unions. Uh, so a lot of the times the oh, shoot, geez. yeah, there was times the cast and crew worked 48 hours continuously. And so, and, you know, Park Chan-wook was really good to his people because after 12 hours, he would, like, take, like, a vote. He'd be like, do you guys want to do a break or not? And they're not, no, 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 let's keep going. So I think this shoot was supposed to last about 48 days and it ballooned to 73 days. And they said the thing that the sound team had to be very careful of is that cast and crew members would fall asleep on set and they had to be careful not to pick up the snoring of people (laughs) who could fall asleep on set. Yeah, so I thought that I was crazy, that. too. So. 
Oh, you know, okay, you know the guy without a shirt mm-hmm. um, that they all are trying to get him to fight? The bigger guy? The bigger guy. So he is actually yeah. the fight choreographer. And according to Park Chan Wook, it was Vanity Fair, by the way. He breaks down the scene in a Vanity Fair video on YouTube. Um, I said variety, it's actually Vanity Fair. But he was like, so if you see this guy, he's the best stunt coordinator and fighter in Korea. And he's our stunt coordinator. And that's why you see him more often because he stands out from everybody else. Although I can't remember the name that he said. But, like, I was like, that's really hilarious that they made him do that. Also, the reason everybody has sticks is because in Korea at, in 2003, guns are were illegal in Korea. I think they still are. And a bunch of, like, the street gangs, according to Park Chan-wook, they use sticks to fight. But if they're really bad, they use knives so or other weapons. But I was like, oh, because I was like, I was kind of like, oh, maybe it's just like a construction site. They just grab stuff. But, like, apparently that was the thing in 2003 in Korea. And I was like, that's pretty interesting. That is very interesting. I didn't even it's think cool about fight. that, like them just having sticks. But... <laughs> I, I do love that oh, Daisu is like literally stabbed in the back. He just keeps going and he like does everything yes. possible. Like he plays dead at one point and then like, haha, like, you know, like some with the. It's very like. That was the only thing they, they fixed in visual afterwards was the knife in the back, apparently. Okay. It actually is very comical. And I know when we saw the movie, uh, Park Chan-wook is like, you know, there are a lot of comical bits in this movie. And I forgot how funny it really is at some points. It's hysterical. I think a lot of a lot of it, too, is is none of us got, has have ever seen it with, like, a whole lot of other people. Yeah. So just like how comedy can be subjective, I also think a movie being able to make you laugh when you're mm-hmm. in a room full of other people laughing at yeah. those moments that are comical in this movie, I think it actually does amplify how funny these scenes are. Like, uh, get, getting into, like, a little bit of the darker subject matter of the movie, like, the guy that commits suicide. With the talk. That that entire scene where Odessu is talking about his story to the guy, and the guy tries to start explaining, <laughs> explaining why story. he wants to commit suicide. He just walks away. He's like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, he's not a morally good person. Like, that's the thing. It's like, he's definitely an anti-hero, but he he, uh, perseveres over difficulties. And I think that's why he's a quote unquote hero. When you, when you, uh fill up how many journals worth of people you wronged. wronged? Like eight? (laughs) It was a lot. It was like eight it was like eight journals so you're kind of like you know what? I don't want to cheer for you but he still makes this character where you're like you're rooting for him to at least get the answer. You want you are just as curious to get the mystery solved of what happened to him as yeah. he is. And I think that's the best jumping off point for this movie. So the quote with the comedy. Um, so there's a letterbox video on YouTube um, where Park Chan-wook reads people's uh, reviews of this movie. And uh, one reviewer called, called Churches said, old boy makes all horror movies look like comedy. And then Park Chan-wook was like, well... Actually, I would rather have Old Boy felt like a comedy. That was my intention when I made it. So he was had that intention. Uh, the movie is full of revenge and all these different emotions. But in some ways, it's a movie with the intention to make you laugh at every second. Which I was like, okay. Because, okay, the, so Scott came with us. So we brought 
three, three, two, two or three people was the first three, time three. seeing it, or maybe it was two. Three. No, t- Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three people was the first time. And Scott, I started laughing in the scene in the police station because the movie opens up where he's been arrested for drunken disorderly, and he's already confined, which is a very lovely foreshadowing to what will happen to him and you know i know what's happening because like i've seen the movie three times and i started laughing and scott just leans to me he's like what why are you laughing and i was like i was like oh because you can laugh it's funny it's like it's funny and i think some people i there was an intro with park chan wook in the beginning of the screening that was like it's okay to laugh you're you're okay to laugh. Also, octopi warning if you're a friend of octopi, um, which I think a lot of people maybe going into it wouldn't know it's okay to laugh. I don't think when I first watched it, I think I was more watching it in like reverence, expecting it to be what it wasn't and was surprised with how funny it was. Now, do you also feel like, you know, so I the first time I watched this movie, I was like 16, 17. I'm 34 now. So... I also took different scenes differently this time around. This is probably like my third or fourth time, I would say, watching it too. So the first time I watched it, and what you guys were talking about with the opening scene with the man who's suicidal, he has that little dog. And so the first time that um, Odyssey walks out of the building, and you know, it's the famous quote, he's like, laughing, the world laughs with you. And the guy drops on the car. Mm -hmm. The first time I saw that scene, I it felt like the breath got sucked out of my body. Like, I was, like, so shocked because I wasn't expecting him to land on the car in the background like he did. Right. But this time, it didn't yeah. shock me. And also, I was like, okay, thank God the dog looks like a stuffed animal that he just drops. Because he's like, he drops yeah. the dog. But... I don't know if you guys felt that way, too, where it was, like, scenes that were, like, really shocking to you the first time around. They almost took on, like, a different context or meaning. Or maybe there were scenes that you didn't really think about the first time around. And then on this rewatch, you're just, like, it hits you in a different way. Yeah, I definitely think, one, being older and seeing it a couple times. And, two, seeing more Korean cinema especially and see how much, at least the directors that I've become familiar with they blend genre so like in like american cinema a lot of it's like it's a comedy it's a horror movie it's a drama and you have some blending nowadays but it used to be very much like you know you go in and you get one thing whereas korean cinema has you know kind of at least there i think it's like the new wave korean cinema is what we're in right now is they have like melded a lot of different genres together and there's a lot of comedy in it. I think it's a lot of that as well. But one scene that wasn't funny, but that I, I forgot about until I was watching it in the theater was actually uh, a scene with just Mido in it, who is the um, love interest to Deso. And um, it's the scene where she's on the subway. I remember her crying on the subway, but like I forgot that there was a giant ant sitting all the way across from the subway looking at her and like it was like almost like her loneliness riding the car with her yeah and i was like that is such a weird scene but it is so lovely and so beautifully shot and you really understand why she would be open i know she gets hypnotized but like she's also opening her life to someone she just met because she is very lonely and it's it it makes more sense and i thought that was a scene i forgot about until i rewatched it i agree with that and like on a deeper level they like talk about how ants appear to lonely people it's like oh because ants are very social Mm -hmm. in their colony and i think it says something deeper that like even the ant has no interest in mito on the subway 
And I think that's like one of the most beautiful scenes in the movie or transitions to me is she wipes her tear on the subway and it transitions seamlessly into her wiping her tear as she's like talking to him. And oh. I'm like, God, I forgot how like... Can we talk about the transitions? The, it's so beautiful. Like there's all these little beautiful moments. Yeah. And like, well, there's that transition. And then there's the one where the hypnotist is like, you're going to be in a grass of field and just goes straight on to it. Like there's so many beautiful just transitions. The movie just flows and ebbs and it's just so lovely i don't know it's just great i don't know dalton was there one that you thought like you for that stood out to you now i mean for transition sake i would absolutely say i like one of the ones near the end of the movie when the monster goes away mm. <gasps> yes that that transition is great but I think my favorite one is the one you just mentioned that that rooftop transition. <gasps> it's beautiful because they set it up like he's actually going to wake up in this like nice grassy field, <laughs> and then he wakes up, comes out of this chest, and stands up, and then he's on top of a fucking apartment complex. Yeah, that whole like moment. I also think that's a weird like culture culture shock thing. I guess because yeah. I don't know if that's like something that's common uh, in Korea. <gasps> I don't know about I don't Korea. Know. I know some cities have... Being in a have... chest? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, being in a red being chest a on a green field. <laughs> yeah. That's the only um, way to travel. I like to, I like <laughs> to call that you are your own carry-on. Thank you very much. I don't know about That's Korea, I but I know in Japan they have a lot of their high-rises have... Oh, my brain just Rooftop blinked. gardens? Yeah. It's kind of like how we have a little bit of a quota on there has to be so many green miles in mm -hmm. the city so yeah. they'll do that and that's also part of the culture having time off where they go and do like tai chi and aerobics and stuff on the roof in that nature i i, I like i love just like katie was talking about just that transition to that scene though it's it's so good it's mm. such a good transition i think i also like every time when he is locked up when he tries to kill himself those few times oh my god those, like the almost like the first time it happens, it's, it's that shocking. snappy transition. Or, or the first time it happens, it's a little bit more focused on, and the second time it happens, it's just like ah, whatever. He tried again, but he didn't succeed. You think the third like, time they just you just see that them just dragging his body out? Yeah, to, you like, just see do the, it again. Yeah, I was like, like, and it's sad because like he wants out oh, yeah. and he can't. They won't let him even take him. He has no control over the situation, no control at all. Yeah, and, and it's very, but it's also comical. It's very darkly comedic because it's just like. Oh, this again. It's just like, oh, well, my God. You do have that one scene uh, while he's locked away that I, for the life of me, I think the first two times I saw this movie, I didn't pick up on it. So there's a song or a program that comes on the TV that he's watching where he's talking about being lonely while he's locked up. And um, oh, the masturbation is, scene. Yeah, he's pleasuring himself. That? And what cracks me up is later in the movie, I, I never connected the dots until now where Vito is telling him, oh, I'll sing this song yeah. to you to get you going later. You know what the song's called? There's one song that's, I think it's the song, Bring My Love by Star Sailor is featured. It's the only one written on IMDb. But I thought it, she I said it was something else. Whatever the name of the song is, it's just, it's that whole exchange between him and Vito that... It cracks me up because I didn't get it. Like, I think the first time I watched it, because I will say, if this is your first foreign film, at moments it can be hard to follow. Yeah. Not in a bad way, by any in any sense. It's just, 
if you're not used to like kind of the speed of the dialogue that this movie goes at, there are moments where that dialogue moves really quick. And if you miss something, it's not stopping to pick it back up. Going to Mito because she also, we have that scene right after she takes him to her apartment and she's on the toilet and he's just kind of overcome with like, you know, he, he, he Oh um, my God. He, that um, scene. he pretty much assaults her. But then later <laughs> she goes, you know, uh, next time, even if I resist, I'm like, Oh God. Like it gave me the ick. Like the way she said it. Like she's like, even yeah. if I resist, you know, you just well, try again. You know, well, that's, that's, that's that scene where she was talking about how she would be nervous at first, but to get him going, she would just start singing that song. Yeah. To him. Just like, even if I resist, really just give it to me. Just and I give agree. it to me. Well, that, that scene's, that scene's tone is just like covered in like this slime ball. Yeah. In a moment where you're like, Ugh. I had kind of forgotten about it. And then Scott and I were talking about it afterwards and Scott was like, that really bothered me. He's like, but what bothered me more was them having sex and her being like, oh, it hurts, and he just doesn't even listen to her. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, I just want to be good for you. I was like, yeah, again, he's not, our hero is not the best person. Oh, no, yeah. and I was about to say, that's something else on this rewatch, too, I noticed. The film is not, and I don't know if I'm desensitized as an American, and especially a lot an American that watches a lot of horror films, but I actually thought the violence was not as bad as I remembered it in a lot of points. Like, I remember the teeth pulling scene. There's really scene. just two scenes. Yeah, I remember the teeth yeah. pulling scene being a lot worse than it was. The camera actually goes away before, like, any teeth are pulled. You see the blood, but, but not the actual tooth coming out or anything. And the thing about the teeth pulling and the um, the tongue scene, mm. those are the two that I could see Sarah and Scott from where I was sitting. Both of them closed their eyes during both of those scenes. And I, I think yourmoviesex.org points this out. He does a compare-contrast of the horrible remake and this one, in my opinion, compared, comparatively. And what he pointed out was, in that movie, they do a very different kind of torture, and it's and they don't do the tongue thing, and it's not very, like, visceral. Like, you know, because the reason the tooth and the tongue feel, like, we can feel that pain, because most, most people have had a tooth pulled or had, you know, a, like, some kind of tooth infection, a toothache. And also, most people have, like, bit their tongue mm -hmm. before, and they know how that feels and how much pain it is. And so, like, not it was very smart to choose those things for those scenes, because you are, like, physically feeling what you felt in the past. And I think doing something, like, I, most people haven't gotten hit in the head with a hammer. Yeah. I'd even say the knife in the back during that whole fight scene when someone hits mm. him, hits that knife in his back with a stick, you kind of do wince a little bit. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, that definitely fucking hurt. Yeah. But I, the thing with, like, the teeth pulling scene and this, like, more feeling of having that visceral reaction is because your brain has done the extra work and that's why mm -hmm. this movie is a masterclass. Still one of my favorite moments of this movie is where Odesu walks out with the guy that owns the prison. Oh. Oh. Um, yes. He walks out after he's pulled his teeth and he goes, all right, who has AB blood? Yes. Yeah. And they go, a few guys raise their hand and he goes, all right, take him. Yeah. Take him. Like, the, fact some that, blood. the fact that he doesn't want to cross the line of killing someone at that point, and I don't think for the entire movie until, you know, certain points happen, he does kill anyone. Yeah, everyone's still moving 
after the scenes. The only scene I don't like after that hallway fight scene is the elevator, and I think it's just because it kind of ruins... Oh, I love ruins. that scene. It's, it's just a little corny. I've always just not liked that shot, but Well, it, I think it they were all exhausted. The they were all exhausted, and they were, he was kind of like... Basically, Park Chan-wook was like, I just felt like the audience had seen enough fighting. Yeah. And so... I don't disagree. I didn't want to show them more, so we just see the aftermath. It's one of my favorite bits of humor in the movie i like the scene because it gives it like a certain level of dark comedy but if we're talking about the logic of the scene it's like how would they all be standing up in the elevator he just kicks their all their asses and they're standing up in the elevator and only yeah. fall when it opens i do like the scene but i get like the logic point of it but, but i think it fits yeah. i think it fits with the comedy so speaking of brilliant writing and set and everything i guess we should we kind of skipped ahead because we got so excited but we kind of do need to mention a couple creative team things um because like for one this movie was actually based on a japanese manga um the main difference is the manga takes place in tokyo and not seoul obviously and um the endings are different and the motivation for the kill for the uh imprisonment is in my opinion not motivated at all so i do think that uh park chan Wook did a much better job um but that was written by uh, as we said in the intro um garon chusia and naboki minigishi i think is how you pronounce their names um but i think we we've done thirst for Park Chan Wook. So we've talked about Park Chan Wook before. Um, I do think uh, we should probably mention the Vengeance trilogy that this is part of, which is uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which came before Old Boy, then Old Boy, then Lady Vengeance. I've seen Lady Vengeance. I have not watched all of Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but Song Kang Ho is in that one. As well as some people that are in Old Boy. And then a lot of people from both movies are in uh, Lady Vengeance. Because he kind of... it's Lady Vengeance is much more stylized and kind of more comical, by the way. I don't know. Have you guys gotten to see that one yet? I actually was reading about them because I, I had heard... I knew that this was the Vengeance trilogy. But I was like, I actually don't know a lot about either movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, very interesting that, like, Old Boy is critically acclaimed... It seems sympathy for Mr. Mr. Vengeance was kind of like, uh, like very mixed to like pan. And then Lady Vengeance was like very mid, but I didn't know Lady Vengeance had comedy elements to it. So is it kind of like old boy in the comedy or is it a lot more comedic? It's even more funny, but there's also like, it's, it's more funny, I would say, but it's also really sad. Um, but it's, it's, there's more, um, you know, there's some narration, um, in old boy, there's a lot more narration from like the get-go in lady vengeance and i of all three it probably has the happiest ending um because i know the ending of sympathy for mr vengeance is just all around bad time for everybody involved old boy is like bittersweet but also terrible and then lady vengeance is like the best outcome there could possibly be with still having to go through a lot of like awful stuff um, I did find that interesting. Um, but, oh, both of Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance are on Tubi. And I think Pluto TV as well. 
So if you want to watch them, there are commercials. But that's why I started watching Lady Vengeance because I was like, oh, that one's streaming? Just Old Boy's the only one that isn't? Um, but also, like, so in the horror genre, Park Chan Wook also did a cut from Three Extremes, which Takeshi Miike did another short film in that movie. And then, of course, we talked about The Handmaiden before. And we were talking about the Little Drummer Girl miniseries that kept coming up. Um, that was him directing that. I was about to say, also Decision to Leave, which was his most recent that came out last year, which yes. was critically acclaimed. But I also thought, like, so he actually had two other writers write this film with him. Jun Hyun Lim, who also goes by Chun Hyun Lim, and then Jo Hyun Huang. But both of them kind of, like, this was their big movie, and they've just written a couple other ones. And then, I didn't know this until I was looking this up today. The cinematographer, well, I may have known about Last Night in Soho, but the cinematographer Chung Hoon Chung, I guess it's Chung Chung Hoon, depending on uh, if you're doing the Americanized version, which we should have said before. Korean, uh, in Korea, you say your last name first, and your first name last, compared to what we say in America. But some people have, like, Americanized their names, and I think this person has because they do a lot of English-language films. Um, and But they did The Handmaiden for Park Chan-wook and Thirst, so we've already talked about them in Thirst. But also they did Last Night in Soho and It. They're, they know what they're doing. because those are, both have beautiful cinematography. All of those have gorgeous cinematography, for sure. Gorgeous. This movie is so freaking beautiful. And that's what's... Just, like, the color contrast. There's, like, reds and greens. Ooh. And the thing is, is I... Because you, you keep seeing the sickly kind of greens throughout this movie and then obviously the burst of red but i forgot there's a good bit of purple too mm-hmm. and the purple is with the antagonist it's always yeah. with the antagonist so i was like i forgot all about that purple in the movie yeah well, it's one of my favorite things actually about that uh 4k that i have is if i'm correct the artwork that arrow chose is a mix of like a reddish purple Ooh. color as well mm, that's fun oh if you if you haven't seen the artwork for it i really do hope that that one is just brought over to the states but probably not since arrow may like own that one in particular possibly i don't know but moving like a little bit further into the movie's plot when it becomes more of a um uh, a road trip movie almost <laughs> kind of a light road trip movie we we get to a scene where this is after the hallway hammer stuff where Odessu thinks he can't trust uh, Mito at all. So he kind of just goes off on his own for a bit. And he returns back to her place and has her tied up to a bed. And if I'm correct, he has a... What's his friend's name? I'm blanking on it right now. Um, the internet cafe friend? Uh, the computer guy. Uh, no June Hawk? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, his guy in the chair. Yeah, so yeah, they're trying to find the yeah. IP address because uh, Odessu caught Mito... Um, talking with this guy online it's like was it the prince in the high tower or something like that was his name yeah um, something like uh, that like because yeah it's related to the count of monte cristo yeah that sounds right for some reason i was thinking like evergreen or something yeah it might have been evergreen i thought it was evergreen something but, no no he told her he told her on the im she's like where did you go to school he said evergreen. that's what i'm thinking of okay yeah and so yeah he gets the IP address uh, uh, to where the antagonist is, and he goes there, and the guy goes, oh, you want to kill me? Well, you can't, uh, because I have this little device where if I hit this button, you can't torture me. It'll just instantly kill me. 
Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a it's a mo- uh, he essentially is a pacemaker with a remote control. Um, and I always, I always love that twist where it's like Odessu's just like, do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I do it? Do I not do it? Like, mm-hmm. I love the moment where he looks at him and goes, get a chair. And the guy goes, you're not going to get information out of me by pulling my teeth. <laughs> He's like, I'll just kill myself before I even get there. Also, like that. Okay. What really caught my eye scene wise in that specific scene where he goes to the room and it's just the um, the bodyguard and Lee Woojin. There's this beautiful... Um, honeycomb pattern on the wall it's it's bright blue and red and there's not a lot of blue in the movie and i thought that was an interesting choice because and the red really pops out because red is a main color of that also the little lights which is i mean obviously like red means stop green means go but on the little device it's green and red as well which is a constant color scheme in this movie um which i mean they're compliments that's why they're christmas colors but i think that's great as well and that by the way yu jate as lee Wu jin is just he's so good and like i he's such a lovely looking man and he also just is like the best just like snarky fucking yes smirk where you're like i want to slap it off your face but i also want to keep looking i love at when it. he laughs also he was a fashion model before he oh, became you an can actor tell. which makes you can so tell. much sense yeah he's a beautiful man uh, he's, he's a very handsome man. he does that yoga pose where he's oh, crying and the yo- the and, yoga, oh my god the oh. yoga pose they actually did take wires to do it because they're just like he's flexible but he's not that flexible just so you guys know um they did do i mean i was trying to figure out i was like listen i like yoga and i i wasn't the best at yoga but i don't know how you could do it that good but it was it was interesting so there was a lo- um, but he's um, still doing a lot of television by the way yeah. um money heist korea joint economic area he's like doing that and he's a small part in lady vengeance so obviously just jump in and the house of jack bill oh, the house of jack bill yeah he was a bit part in that one too um yeah so jumping forward just a little bit i know we'll come back to where we are but as we know it's like oh daisu and lee juwin are supposed to be contemporaries and there was some controversy because he's like they're like oh he's they're like 15 <gasps> years apart in age but it makes a lot of sense because he's like very wealthy and he's spoiled and he's kind of mm-hmm. like in this high castle compared to odaisu has been like for the fucking ringer so it's like it makes sense that even though they're the same age they yeah. look vastly different also odaisu had a substance abuse problem before he mm-hmm. was in prison too like it was very obvious like the first thing you see is like he is drunk arrested on his daughter's birthday so it's very obvious that he has problems so he probably looks a little he probably aged even in the 10 years since high school yeah you know before he gets in prison and it just gets I mean, worse not to not to talk about the elephant in the room but someone was also in prison for 15 years and i think that insanity would also take yeah <laughs> also no sunlight he has absolutely no sunlight which they do have the, like the vitamin thing well, which i enjoyed that little detail you see also even in war pictures where it's like have you guys seen the collection of pictures of soldiers sent off to war and then coming back even like two years later and how it ages them mm. but i can't wait to get into i can't wait to get mm-hmm. into the meat of why everything has happened because oh my god but yes so. do we want to do we want to talk about the actors real quick and then we can really you know, chop down on that meat burger of 
deliciousness and creepiness. Don't you mean the octopi of deliciousness? Oh, I missed the octopus reference. Umami. Oh, missed opportunity. Damn. But we so we talked to Yujite, which I I just love him. And I'm glad that he's still acting because he is one of those people like I wasn't sure if like this was a one time thing when I first saw him because I was like, he's so pretty. And I was like, oh, he's a fashion model. But he has continued acting and I need to go watch Money Heist Korea because I need more of him in my life because he's great. I love the bucket hats too. So, but I'm, Choi Min Sik, we know Choi Min Sik uh, because he was in I Saw the Devil. He's the bad guy in I Saw the Devil. But he was also in an American movie called Lucy. Um, he's in Lady Vengeance. He's the bad guy in Lady Vengeance, mm. by the way. And he's there's a, a movie that I have not seen yet, but it was in all over his IMDb page called The Mayor. That was pretty recent. But also he and Song Kang Ho were both in The Quiet Family, which is an early movie of the director who did A Tale of Two Sisters. And it's like a dark comedy. And then we've got Kang Hee Jung as Mido. And she she's done a lot. She's like not stuff I have watched, but she's also consistently kept acting. Um, the Butterfly, Rules of Dating, Welcome to Dong Mackle. And jugglers currently, like that's her most. And recent she's a big TV theater show. actress too. Did you see she was in Korean adaptations Ooh. of Proof and Educating Rita? That's awesome. No, I didn't see that. That's fantastic. Makes sense. She's a good actress. And then Kim Byung Ok is Mr. Han, who's the bodyguard. He is a pastor in Lady Vengeance, and he's like pretty comedic in that movie. He's completely different. It was so weird because you see him; he's one of the first characters you see, and it was just so different from like the bleach blonde. But he's also in I'm a Sorb- Cyborg, but that's okay, which is Park Chan Wook's like romantic comedy he did a few years ago. Um, and then also there's a I have not watched this movie yet. Um, The Witch Part One: The Subversion. Yeah, it's another Korean horror film, and they just release the second part to it but it's supposed to be really good and it's something that i've been wanting to watch and then i think we mentioned the the prison warden park chul wung is played by dalso who was in the movie the good the bad and the weird which i've heard really good things about but haven't watched yet um and i think song kang ho is in that as well and then there is sung shen lee as yu hong ja who's the hypnotist. And she's also in Lady Vengeance. He put, like, everybody in Lady Vengeance. Shiri and Addicted. And then we said the Daehan Ji, who was in sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And, okay, there's this is a very, like, artsy Korean film that I just heard about today, but it's called Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. And it's about a Buddhist monk, and it follows, like, his whole life. And it's, like, mostly just like really beautiful cinematography of nature apparently and then last but not least i did write down the man with the dog who's oquang rock um and he was in sympathy for mr vengeance and lady vengeance in small parts and a movie called a bittersweet life and i was like oh he must like i guess park chan wook just really likes him because he puts like him in little small parts of all the vengeance trilogy and i was like that's pretty cool but moving more into the meat of the movie so yes Odesu and Mido go on this uh, road trip now to figure out what Evergreen means, um, and he makes the yeah. connection that that is the is that a Catholic school? Yeah, yeah. It's a Catholic school that he uh, Odesu went to when he was in high in school, his teenage years. They didn't give an age, but I'm gonna guess probably 16, 17 years old, most likely. Yeah, at the most. And so we get a flashback to Odesu <laughs> chatting with the antagonist's sister yes 
And he was about to tell her this awful joke, and then she was like, oh, I gotta go now. And It's really funny. Does, does he follow her from that meeting, or is it just he happens upon... I think, yeah, I, I think he kind of follows her because he's wondering if he can try again to ask her out. That Okay, that's that's what I figured. So we have this scene where he's following around this girl for a bit. And he catches up with this girl, but he's on the exterior of the building. So he's in like a walkway mm-hmm. and he peeks in the window and sees our antagonist and his sister messing around. But he doesn't know um, that like, they're brother no, he and doesn't. sister. He, he oh, just he not know. know. So that's why he doesn't really think it's that big of a deal. He's just like, oh, he just, that's why he tells his best friend the next day oh, oh i saw her okay. messing around with this yeah, guy because he's familiar it was weird. he's familiar with the girl but it's like him and the guy are i guess they go to the same school but they're not like in the same class or anything is that what it is so he recognizes yeah. her he's either younger or older yeah. yeah okay she's the same age as him and his friend they were in different okay. homerooms but they're the same class is okay. I, what i think what they said yeah. and then the yeah. brother is in a different class so i think the brother must be younger i would say the uh the brother is uh flirting with his sister he takes her underwear off well at first he at first he's like trying to get her to take her top off and she's like no i won't or no she he He tells her to show her her legs yeah that's what it is and she goes no i don't want to and he like walks over and reaches his hand up her skirt and he like kind of tries to pull him down and then she takes them down slowly and then it continues and gets somehow even weirder. Because she takes her bra off. She takes her bra off and then takes out her breasts and he's like kissing on her and all this. And then this moment where she holds up that mirror. I don't know why that made that scene feel so much more icky. (laughs) She's holding up that hand mirror and she's like looking down at him doing that on her chest. And then... Do you think it wasn't face and she like smiles? Yeah, and then she sees uh, Odesu. But do you think that they did it because they were like, "Well, how can she? We show that she saw him." Or do you think they're like, "No, let's be super creepy." Like, what do y'all think? Well, maybe maybe they wanted to show. Was it practical? Maybe also wanted to show that she was interested in it too. Like, it wasn't something her brother was just pressured into. She was getting off on the relationship as well because there's like a sense of voyeurism, right? Because she can see him. When she's holding that mirror up. That also does tie into something else. I, I, I realize. Mm-hmm. I'll, we'll talk oh. about it when we get there. Yeah. So before they have made it to uh, this evergreen place, Odesu and Mido go to a hotel and... And he gives it he to cons- her. To consummate he the relationship. really gives it to her. She asked. Well, also, so I don't... This isn't really implied in the movie, but in the manga, apparently, he very purposefully takes that character's virginity. I think uh, there, there. When she's saying it hurts and stuff like that, it's it's absolutely. I think the same way. That way, it's yeah. Not, because she's talked about how she's been lonely and all that kind of stuff, and she's talking yeah. about how she wants to be good for him. It's kind of tropes of that. Yeah. Well, also, as we dive into the grand scheme of things. We know that also the antagonist has 
been keeping an eye on her for her whole life. So he pops, he probably purposely set that up that that would happen because that would be an extra layer of fucked okay. up. Also, uh, I have also questions. they do get an extra hand. They do get an extra hand moving, uh, getting out of the hotel room the next day. They do. <laughs> With a ring um, on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, impressive. so what I'm referencing is, is in this moment, um, after they have consummated. It's a nice way to put it. They're in the pre- one of the previous scenes, uh, the way the antagonist gets uh, Odessu to kind of leave him alone and let him go. He he mentions something about Mito and Odessu runs back over to Mito and the guy and his goons are there. And the antagonist then calls the guy and his goons and the villain overhears Odessu say something along the lines that said um, of I'll cut off your hand that touched Mito's breast. Mm-hmm. And that's what they wake up to the next morning is the hand that touched Mito's yeah. breast in the, uh, the hotel. Okay, what about the foreshadowing, oh, too, in that same scene where he's like, I'll cut off your hand. And one of the goons goes, what are you going to do about my tongue? Mm. I thought I thought that was good foreshadowing. I also love how they they fuck with you in that scene, too, because it go mm. they, you know, they go for the teeth. They start uh, there and they have that build and you think, oh uh, shit, you know, he's happening about to get again. They're about to mutilate our protagonist or our anti-hero. And then they pull the rug out from under you go, nah, it's the anticipation that gets you. And it's like, yep, it absolutely did. It does every time, even though I know the scene's yep. coming. Yeah. I'm like, oh wait, did he actually get his tooth pulled? I can't remember. Okay, I have to throw a logical loophole in here with me. Well, okay, I guess let's get to the ending, and I will. Not, well, not the ending, but the twist. So we get to the big scene that, which isn't technically the ending scene, but it's the it's the one everyone talks about. Which major spoilers here? If you have still haven't seen it, this is the time to go watch it. Because this this will ruin the movie for you. So after the hand, uh, Odesu has figured out. Okay, well, I told my best friend about who is now dead because uh, the villain has killed him because he called his sister a slut. And who she wasn't a slut. She just committed incest. You know, tomato tomato, potato potato. He he believes. Okay, well, I he knows that she died. Because she fell off a bridge at a dam. And he's like, okay, I know why I... Yeah, that's rough. Uh, yeah, I, I know why I well, got put away. And he goes and he's like, I'm... And he and Mio's like, okay, well, you know, so now we can just, like, run off. And he's like, no, actually, I don't think so. Vengeance has now become a part of me. Which I like that because it's like, he could walk away. But he doesn't because... He really, really, really wants that revenge, and he needs to, like, have that, because it's just, that's what's driving him now. So he goes to this beautiful penthouse, which apparently the only regret Park Chan-wook had was there wasn't a a swimming pool, a full swimming pool. He wanted it to be one that, it, he wanted it to be, like, one laps. of those hotels that you see now. Yeah, it's a balcony pool, so... He can Which walk would out be and, like, cool. look across the city. And I'm like, I don't know. I think the closet in that fucking penthouse is pretty <gasps> I cool. love the closet. Because he's, like, getting dressed. And then he walks away and it just goes back to being a pillar. And you're like, 
What the fuck? That whole that that is a weird apartment though. The shower in the living room. Did is you weird. guys did Go you ahead, guys Brett. remember the crucifix <laughs> tramp stamp? Because I did not. I was like, holy shit, why did I remember that? No. Oh, I but on the I, big I screen, remember, it made I me giggle. I remember it because it's one of the weirdest <laughs> tattoos I've ever seen. And I don't know does that Maybe actor he just actually likes have Jesus. that or is that is well, yeah, he also went to Catholic school, so, I mean, I guess, but... Yeah, but also Catholics are real anti-tattoos. I mean, they're also anti-smoking and drinking, but... And, yeah. No, not anti-drinking. We and, are and, not and anti-drinking. Yeah, that's true, right? For sure. So, uh, Odessu goes to the penthouse and confronts our antagonist, and he goes, Well, I know... I know why you did this is because... Your sister committed suicide because of me, and he's like, because well, she thought she was pregnant. Yeah, that's that was that's a curveball that they don't know. Well, because the everyone's like, well, why would she just kill herself because of that? And he's like, yeah. So your friend told everybody, and then she had a phantom pregnancy, quote unquote. And it's like, mm, is he trying? Was it really a phantom pregnancy, or was no, he just no. trying to remove the guilt I, off of himself? I, I believe I believe it was a phantom pregnancy because that is that is like a true psychological thing that does happen to some oh, people. Oh yeah. So I I mean I can believe it especially with how reserved they did try to make her seem because that was like something that the um Odessu's friend said where he had to pay penance cuz he started calling her a slut. She was like, "Oh yeah, she was a prude." But, you know, deep down she was a whore or whatever, and so, that's how he dies. I, sometimes I think that maybe they didn't even actually have ding, sex. Ding, 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 ding. Sometimes I think yeah. that thing was all that happened. I, I think yeah. Katie's right. I don't think they ever had sex because it could have just filmed it, like, clothes on, two horny kids having sex in the classroom, and Odaisu saw that. But he didn't. He saw all this kind of, like, foreplay stuff, which is, I think, the guarantee where he's like, yeah, it wasn't my dick that got her pregnant. It was your tongue. So it feels like he's very confident. Oh, and that... Yeah. But I think you can take it either way. I think you can take it... There's three... You can take it for his word, or you can take that... No, he did get her pregnant, and he's trying to absolve himself of any guilt. Or it is a phantom pregnancy, and they had sex. Multiple choice. I love how they do the reveal in this movie. So this entire movie, you've seen all the purple boxes and the purple envelopes. And the umbrella. So the antagonist essentially has this mustache twirling moment. I say that (laughs) because it's the best way to describe it. He he has this laser pointer and he's pointing it around this room (sighs) and he points it at a box. And Odessa walks over to the box and and he's told, open it. So he opens this box with uh, with a pair of like really fancy scissors, which do come back in a few minutes. God, I love those scissors. I want them. So he opens this box and he's going through it. And it's a photo of him and his wife and his daughter. And he keeps going. And then it just becomes his daughter. And it keeps going and it keeps going. And it gets to more like recent photos of his daughter and his daughter is Mito, where he originally thought that his daughter had been, uh, was living with doctors in Sweden. Okay. But is it really his daughter? Okay. I didn't, I was taking it for its word for years, but you know, I was, Scott was like, are we sure he doesn't ever try to call his daughter in Sweden? Are we sure that he's not tricking him into thinking Mito is his daughter and she's not really his daughter? I think it would. I think it would hurt the villain's motivations if it's not his daughter. 
because or does it make him more diabolical does it make it more diabolical that he has mentally tortured him and then he can like now he has to figure it out i don't know i I don't know i think there's so the third time i watched this this is the most recent time with you guys in theaters i think there's this great little subtle scene that just really slams it home so in the beginning of the film we see odaisu and he's in the police station he has the little angel wings he got for her right and he does this kind of thing well yeah and then the scene right after it reveals that mito's his daughter you see her in that hotel room and she distinctly does the exact same motion he does like father like daughter and she has angel wings which might be the same angel i think wings. they are uh, I, no, I don't think it's don't? the same no, because oh, the they, way. Show, they show those angel yeah. wings on the street. But she, they do, yeah, but yeah. also, do you think that he was diabolical enough to just buy angel wings and send them to her as a little kid, and she thought they were from her dad, and I, so I, she kept them her whole life? Well, I think I think it's it's more absolute that that is his daughter. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I like thinking add, that like, it might not be. Well, I can get at, at an yeah. additional twist to the movie, but it doesn't need that extra like, compounding layer because I think then you make a movie that's too complex and it would really take away that final punch this movie has and hits you with because yeah. that reveal is the th- reason why people remember this movie. And if you were to change it where it's like, oh, psych, it's not his daughter. Well, it's more like that they don't really make it like they leave it where you could think either way and i think that's why i don't always like open-ended endings but i think having multiple possibilities is interesting and gets you talking i'm like do i 100 percent think this is our no i think it's probably his daughter but there is a little stinging suspicion that maybe it isn't or did they did they pay off that lady who said that stuff or is there a little girl in sweden living as the adopted daughter of these Swedish people, and she thinks her dad is Odesu, but actually, it's not. Who knows? It's fun to think about. So we also know by the next scene with Wu Jin Lee in the flashback to his sister's suicide that this is a punishment. Like, the incest is a punishment. And that's the thing. Once he can no longer blame Odaisu for everything, when Odaisu admits fault and takes blame and he can no longer point that finger, it comes back on him. So it's like, I am the one responsible for my sister's death, right? So that is the thing, like... He did let yeah. go. And so that's the thing that even Park Chip... I'm just kidding, it's not yeah, his fault. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it is kind of, but, you know, it's also like she made that choice. I know, I don't know. But... I have empathy well, for Lee Woojin on a very... Small sympathy level. for the devil, right? And that's what Tarantino did too. That's what made him cry. That that scene on the bridge was the one that sympathy Tar- for Mister Vengeance. Yeah, you mean? but Ooh. it says so. Park Park Chan Wook actually was quoted uh, saying, "Daisu's in prison and released, so ha- he can receive the same punishment." So it's like both of the mysteries could be resolved by combining them into one. So I think Park Chan Wook absolutely attended for Mido is Daisu's daughter because that's the punishment. It's his punishment and his yeah. punishment, and there's no winners in this now. Also, there's a one of one of the things before that reveal happens too that I I find to be kind of the most interesting part about this villain's motivations is Odesu is like you made me forget about this. You know, I had to, I had to do all this stuff. And the antagonist just goes, no, you just forgot. You, you forgot essentially that 
what Odessu thought was this small, maybe like ripple or maybe mm-hmm. not even a, a literal grain of sand to Odessu was a stone for the antagonist. Yeah. They sink the same. And that's why that analogy yeah. you know, comes back up. I love that because to what our main character is a grain of sand, a little thing where he tells a friend like, oh yeah, I saw, I saw, you know, her with this guy literally ended up ruining this other guy's life and causing the death of his sister potentially. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a part that's gone over and over and over again to really drive that point home. Um, but what I was going to say earlier in the relate, you know, the relationship between um, the antagonist and his sister is I think the most interesting part of it is one of the lines he says to Odessu after the reveal is we were able to love each other. Can you two learn to love each other as well the way we did? And know everything. And with knowing everything, mm-hmm. they knew what they were doing was wrong. Odessu and Mito don't know can they still be in love or love each other and I don't know well and that's the thing is that you know the next sequence is him getting taking asking the hypnotist who hypnotized him before and asking her to hypnotize him and like Dalton said earlier there's the the monster scene because she asks him to imagine two of himself one that knows the secret and one that doesn't and the one that knows the secret is the monster and he's kind of called himself a monster and a beast for a while um because you know he's kind of lost a lot of his humanity and he imagines that the monster who knows the secret walks away from him and when he reaches 70 he just drops dead and so he could maybe maybe the hypnotism worked. Apparently, both he and Mido were highly susceptible to hypnosis, which is why it worked out much better than even Li Wu Jin thought. Um, because they both but how many steps were, really... were in the snow? How many steps mm. were in the snow? Because we don't really get a clear shot of it. We don't no. know if there's seventy in the snow. Us? What yeah. if? What uh, if the monster has taken over Odessu at this point? I think it's just when he reaches the age of 70, not 70 no, steps. No, no, no. A that, year per no, step. She was saying that every year, every step is a year. We don't know how many steps were away because we don't get the full answer to that. Yeah. They kind of do a pan and then they move a little bit. What, oh, I was God, about to say in that same scene, too, have you guys noticed that there's two chairs and the one is not covered with snow and the other one is, which is very interesting. Yeah, about, so was she even yeah, there? Yeah, the implications, right? Yeah. Also, like, okay, so that's a moral issue is, like, that's why it's such a weird ending because, like, they're reunited, yes, and she has this, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, they filmed this part in New Zealand, which I just found out today, the snowy part. I was like, that's cool. Hmm. But she has this beautiful, like, red, um, I I have a red beret, too. I bought it uh, a, a little while ago, and I'm like, oh, I can wear my red beret and coat and pretend I'm an old boy. But she's got this beautiful outfit on, and it just really, like, pops in the snow. And it's this lovely moment of them embracing, but not kissing, just embracing. But I'm like, that's, he, he kept her from knowing that secret. So... Is it just fucking 
diabolically evil for him to continue a relationship with her when she does not know what she's well, getting she into. Well, she has no consent throughout the entirety of the movie. Like, she's hypnotized. Things are yeah. kept from her. Like, like he didn't. Yeah. It's like her, the whole character of Mito is so tragic because her life is not her own in any way. And he could have just, he could, like you said, the ending to the remake is a little better because he chooses to separate himself from his daughter which technically is, is the better, more morally right ending. However, I will say Park Chan-wook has told us he's not a morally good person. He's just better on the scale of him to Lee Woo-jin. I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way, especially this most recent view that he never yeah, tells her. And that's the thing. You're like, so yeah, because it, it makes you feel like they are going to continue this relationship. But that's the that's the ambiguity, the like ambiguous part of it is that he's like smiling, but it almost turns into like a cry too. So it's like, you know. Well, it's also like his fake yeah. smile. Remember like how he was like, practicing a fake yeah. smile like early on in the movie it the was painting? the same smile yeah with yeah. the painting so i'm like it, maybe he's pretending to yeah it's ooh, also, it's a messed up ending also i love how this whole movie uh odessu has been i want to find out who, why they did this and then i'm going to kill him i want to find out why they did this and then i'm going to mm. kill him and then we get to that ending and because of this reveal Odessu doesn't even get to take out the person that tormented him for 15 years. He doesn't even take out the bodyguard. No, he does. No. Oh, no, he doesn't. He stabs the bodyguard. But uh, the the reason the bodyguard gets killed anyway is because Odessu has stabbed him in the ear and the guy can't hear anymore. Yeah, and Lee Woo-jin. I think that's what happens to him. But yeah, no, he doesn't get that satisfaction. And and it's funny because Mito is like, what should I pray for? And he jokingly is like, pray that next time you meet someone younger. Um, and she laughs, but then she really prays for like, I hope that Lee Woo Jin kneels at the feet of Ode Su. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite uh, of what happens. It's, it's, it, the ending of this movie is, I think the reason why it sticks with everyone. Um, and, and for a good reason, this, this movie's fantastic. It's incredible. This is kind of messed up, but, like, early on in the movie, we do find out, like, and even more so throughout the entirety of the movie, we find out that, like, Odaisu probably had many extramarital affairs on his wife. So, is there, like, a sickening layer? 260. Yeah, like, is there, like, a sickening layer to the fact that he maybe didn't really love his wife and his daughter was really the only woman he ever loved? And how that's, Mm -hmm. like, a layer in the movie? Also, fuck, apparently, fuck the wife. I Like, when we were coming home, I was like, you know what? His wife was fucking collateral. Like, she was fucking murdered, and he was framed for well, her murder. Well, the other thing about it is, is there's a line that's dropped about how the statute for the murder is gone yeah. now. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. he, he literally... That's why he stayed so, 15 years. Yep. It w- They killed his wife, and I think it was to set mm-hmm. Mito up and get her, get her in that position where she was. To make her yeah. feel as lonely and as isolated as her dad was. Yeah. yeah, it's real fucked. Like, and the thing is, like, it is very fucked. It is also, like, can we say it? Like, it's an enjoyable film, though. And it is so weird that it's so enjoyable, yet it is absolutely fucked up. Well, there, there's moments, as we were talking about, that they make you, it makes you laugh. It has 
some good action. It's got a good mystery to it as well. And even watching it more than once, you follow a lot more. You can pick up on stuff. And I implore anyone if this weekend or whenever you uh, see this, if this is your first time ever watching Old Boy, give it give it two watches. This mm. movie deserves a second watch almost because that first watch is so information heavy and you have to follow everything so tightly. The next watch you'll pick up more stuff and the watch after that you'll pick up more stuff. And I think yeah. that's what makes this movie so memorable as well as there's always something to come back to with it. There's yeah. always a little bit more you can find each time. Maybe another a line or a joke you didn't get the first time you watched it. Is there is there anything anyone else wants to add about the movie? I go see it. Ryan? <laughs> Ryan, what was your how do you feel? First timer. What would you give it out of ten? Mm. Are we doing ratings? Yeah. And thoughts. Okay. Touching on thoughts first, just kind of elaborating the whole Greek tragedy of it. And the way that it was able to play up being a Greek tragedy. One of the major things that you always learn about Greek tragedies in school is just the hubris is usually the driving cause towards the mm -hmm. hero's downfall. And one of the things that just kind of came to mind while we were discussing it was that he had his answer as to why he got locked up. He could have left it there, but it's because he went farther that knocked everything out. Mm -hmm. And then another common trip of the the greek tragedy is like nobody gets off <laughs> everybody mm. dies or something bad gets happens fucked. to them no winners i am definitely of the theory that the monster is the one that has escaped just everything from the footprints in the snow to him looking even older to the painting smile i think even thinking about it more the reason why the hypnotist is like yeah i'll do this is because of the line that you know I know I'm a beast, but don't I still deserve to live? Mm -hmm. And of his two personalities, it's the monster that's the beast. Mm. And so it seems very much like in the hypnotism, like it's the monster that's walking on and he's stuck in the glass. Mm -hmm. Like there's not really mm. anywhere for you to go outside of the glass. You can only leave the penthouse by going through the door and leaving. And so I don't. I don't think he, his humanity, any of his humanity has been left past that. And to be able to continue that relationship, knowing that he can't have his humanity be able to do that. And that's yeah. what he's wishing to be able to do. And so I, I greatly enjoyed it. It was a lot more thought provoking than I thought it was going to be. I don't know. I just kind of mm -hmm. put it in the category of other, I don't like, there's not even genre that you can kind of put uh <laughs> but it, masterpiece it, that's its genre <laughs> <laughs> but definitely like i would probably i think i'll give it 9.5 out of 10 solid Brittany, uh what would you uh rate old boy well at? that's what I, I was gonna go off a little bit on on the greek part of it too and uh so usually that's what yeah. um, and me and Katie have this conversation a lot. A lot of my favorite movies, they're very much they can be read like literature, and they're they're like all mm -hmm. these like subtexts and like reading between the lines. And you know this scene can mean this, but it also could mean this. And I kept thinking about how there was a hunter and he saw 
the goddess Artemis bathing accidentally. He was just with his hounds, and Artemis mm-hmm. got so pissed she turned his hounds on him, and they ripped him apart. It really feels like that's what kind of happens to Odaisu, right? Like, he's innocent. He doesn't really know what he's witnessing, but he literally kind of fucks with the gods, and they take their wrath out on him. And then we do have the kind of Odysseus, or not Odysseus, but the Oedipus side of it, too, where it's like, you know, he tempts fate. <laughs> Like, he keeps... Yeah. It's like Ryan says he has the answer. Fuck around But and he's find not out. satisfied with it. And much like, you know, Oedipus blinding himself when he realizes he's married his mother. It's like, you know, Odaisu cuts out his tongue. And it's just like this really, really beautiful yeah. idea that no matter what you do, you can escape fate. And I love that. I think it's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like the Kafka kind of elements in it, too. I've only read the Metamorphosis, but it's like the idea that he's kind of like on the outside of society looking in. And he's so desperate to, like, have, like, company and to be a part of society. He finds that in Mito. But once again, that's something that's just pulled out from under him, right? When he finds out who Mito really is. So there's all these like great literary elements that I really, really love about this movie. But it's so stylized, right? Like it's so, you have these like great classic elements. You can read like Greek tragedy or Kafka. But then you have like this noir and it's like these green colors and these cool shots and this hallway scene and eating light octopus. And there's just not really anything really like this movie, right? And so mm. I think it's a classic yeah. Yeah. I, I'm giving it a 9, which I know is not a perfect 10, but since I've only given out like three nines on our Grindhouse Girls podcast, I mean, that's that's pretty high for me. I would say, what, and one thing, you were talking about like the classics and all the literature, another thing is, and I think Bong Joon-ho does this as well, using classical music and just a classical score to highlight everything. The last song is called The Last Waltz and it's Mido's theme. It's beautiful, but it's also like very haunting. And I think it leaves you with something to think about because it this movie never really leaves you. Like once you've seen Old Boy, you are now someone who has seen Old Boy and you know what it entails. And it is something that I do think changes a lot of people's idea of what cinema can be and how yes you've got these goofy moments and these crazy action scenes and very sordid story but it is a masterpiece of filmmaking and it is how you make a well-written well-directed film and well-acted it is triggering but i do think people should see it if you like cinema i don't think there's a lot of movies that are better than this film. I think probably the, and this is another foreign film, but like something that reminds me of this movie is like maybe like the piano teacher where you have a lot of sordid stuff, but it is just a beautiful character study and it's a beautiful, like visually stunning film. There's a lot of movies like that, but I mean, it's rare. But yeah, I think I, I don't do this usually. I think maybe Parasite was the only one I did this on. But, I mean, I have never been disappointed watching this movie. And this is either my fourth or fifth time watching it. So, I just, I have to give it a 10 out of 10. I can't not. um, Because I, even if I have logical fallacies and questions, I like that I have questions. I like that it 
keeps you talking and thinking after the film. And I don't know if you can do a movie better than this. This movie, this movie's a 10 for me. I mean, it's, it's the movie that made me fall in love with foreign cinema. It is the movie that brought me to see stuff like Parasite or watch movies like even Train to Busan, which I think Train to Busan is a good movie. It helped me watch The Raid. I mean, it really did encourage me to watch a lot of stuff that I don't think I would have watched with my more narrow scope that we have here in the United States. Even though it laid the groundwork 20 years ago now, that groundwork is still solid and has been built upon. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just phenomenal i mean the the fight scene that inspired a dozen one take fight scenes or long drawn out shots that inspired the fights from daredevil which is one of my yeah. favorite fight it's set, scenes it set the bar it's a classic please watch this movie please enjoy it i i just pass it on to people and i really do hope that we get a nice box set of this it's a great movie and i mean it's nice to talk about great movies and gush on them and not have to i mean there's not a lot to pick apart with this movie but yeah i think dalton already came up with our our rating i know i didn't even bother because it was going to be the same thing unless Britt or ryan you guys had other ideas i did have a grindhouse girls rating i think dalton is going to win uh they're definitely going to win but I'll still say mine. Uh, so I had rated M for mirrors, men, and monsters, mm. and then I also and I then like also that. I had it rated D for desperately seeking vengeance. Hmm. Not desperately um, seeking daughters. Like, well, I was thinking, you know, the old movie. Uh, desperate, desperate daddy seeking daughters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's so bad, but you just gotta laugh at it. When I when I came up with this one. Literally, we finished the Q&A, I think, that they have after the movie. And I looked mm-hmm. at Britt and I went, rated D for dumplings, dental work, and daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it all, all there. there. You're right. The triple D. The triple D. Triple Guy D. Fieri, you're here. <laughs> Guy Fieri. We love Guy Fieri. Well, it was lovely chatting with everyone about Old Boy tonight. Um it was thoroughly lovely. enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for, for joining on. us. Always, course, a, you always a treat. Always a treat. Thank you, Sidewalk Cinema, for hosting uh, Old Boy. So, what's next on the agenda? Oh, it's Britt's pick. It's Britt's oh. pick. What you, what you pick? And you'll actually uh, enjoy uh, this, Dalton, because me and you were just talking about this. So, Bones and All is actually streaming, I believe, on Amazon Prime. Yes! yes! So, we will be doing Bones so and excited. All for our next episode. Thank you all for having me on again. I uh, love doing this, and maybe uh, we can do it Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming back. We love having you on. So. Of course. It's so much fun. Yeah. And thank you, Ryan, for popping in and giving a movie opinion. Thank you all for listening and go see Old Boy and see Bones and All. And we love you guys. Make sure that you wash your hands. And apparently COVID's trying to come back. So, you know, be extra careful when you're around strangers and don't uh, take, take bites of strangers you don't know. 
Yes, come on, y'all. So yeah, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, unfortunately, I was trying to look it up. I was trying to do my due diligence and see when Oh Boy would be re-released on Blu-ray, like 4K, since that's something we're watching in theaters now. I could not find a release date currently for the Mm-mm. 4K, but as soon as it does come up, whether it be on our newsfeed or if it stumbles across... Um, our desk we will let you guys know so yeah but please go see oh boy why is currently in theaters uh we love you guys we uh we are so appreciative each and every one of you uh as i have a cat sale on my foot uh don't forget to spay to neuter your pets um but we love you again uh we look forward to seeing you just next time same spoopy time same spoopy channel stay spoopy spoopy, y'all bye everybody bye The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.